0: Okay, everybody, happy Father's Day. Man, we're so glad to have you here with us for Father's Day at our online service. Amen. Man, we got all the dads that have already been spoiled, man. You guys are taking care of them. They are letting them know how much you love them and I'm thankful for that. I know that's what my family's done for me. Kenny, I know that's what your family's done for you and I'm praying that's what's happening for everybody else too. This is a really special day today because I've asked my friend, Kenny Grant, if he would come and bring our message today. Now Kenny is a great friend of Compassion Christian Church. I met Kenny in 1996 when yep. you were just like 19 years old right? <laughs> 12. 12, okay, <laughs> that's right. Kenny and I have known each other since now. I don't even want to, even want to count up how many years that is, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a while. long time. It's been a while. It's hard to believe somebody as young as us could even have known each other that long. Yeah, I don't know. But Kenny has had a really varied experience in life. You know, he's spoken at our Pivot Men's Conference almost every year. Every year. E- excuse me, every year. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've spoken every year, but I know you have spoken every year. Uh, man, we love him. Uh, Kenny. Uh, Kenny has done a number of things. He was a drill instructor at the University of Paris Island. The University Is right? of Paris Island. Is that right? That's where they uh, graduate men. <laughs> the man right?
1: with God forgot.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right. And Kenny found the Lord as a Marine. And man, God just began to do this amazing spiritual work in his life and called him into the ministry. And Kenny has pastored a couple of different churches since I've known him. But let me tell you right now, he's the pastor at Calvary Baptist Temple. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. And Kenny is doing an outstanding job there. And my only regret about your ministry at Calvary is that you're not on our staff. That's my only <laughs> regret. And I know that's kind of coveting, but I, uh, Lord, you're gonna have to forgive me for that one, right? I was wondering how I could get you on my staff. Well, okay. Well, I guess we have got to pray about that. But anyway, listen, uh, I am so thankful. We have had a friendship this yeah. like almost 25 years long. Yeah. And, you know, I just appreciate you. I appreciate your marriage. Yeah. I appreciate your kids. You. you know, you. you've done a great job as a parent and as a spouse and as a pastor. And I just thank, thank God for you. Thank you, Kenny. But Kenny, we're in, we're in a really crazy place in our culture today where we are grieving with those who are grieving, right. you know, over some of the death, uh, George Floyd's death, uh, so many others who have been hurt. And man, I'm telling you, how, how are you feeling about this? Can you just share with us a minute about yeah. how you're feeling about it?
1: Well, you know, grief is a love word. Yes. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And yeah. when you when you love people you grieve that's right when you see people who are hurt when you see people in situations that are painful if you love people and i believe if you love god you'll be hurt and so yes our nation is in turmoil right now and i love our nation
0: i do too and i love people yeah
1: Uh, And so, I have pain in my heart. And then, you know, of course, these things, you can put your finger on some things, which are flashpoints. Right, right. And, uh, you know, we have a national wound, and the scab is pulled off ever so often, where we can see it. But I do think it's a wonderful opportunity for us to have dialogue. Meaningful, truthful, dialogue. And not just dialogue. I mean, we've got to put some feet right to these things to right. our prayers to our discussions so that so that uh, we can make some advancement in this in this nation i believe that long since um uh, it's time for that
0: you know i believe the cure for the kind of fear that our country is grappling with is friendship oh yeah friendship godly friendships yeah. you you and i have had a long friendship we've had some intense conversations no doubt I have listened and learned Amen. and been blessed uh, by my friendship with you. And you have needed to listen and learn. And God knows <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the Lord knows <laughs> that's true, right? But I'm telling you, it has been such a good thing. I, and I just, I wish the relationship that we had could be replicated 10,000 times right. right now here at Compassion. Right. And that would turn into 10 million times. Right. You know, it could start here in, in Savannah. Right. In the low country, and then just kind of wave, go out as an impulse wave of love uh, by the kingdom. And you know, my, my, my concern is that, man, um, we be famous for what Jesus said we should be famous for. Yeah. And that is not being right all the time. Right. That is loving one another as he loved us.
1: Right. Well, you know, truth is the language of the church. Yes. Our yes. God is a God of truth. Yeah. Um, our Savior, Jesus, says, I am the way, the truth. Truth is not just some esoteric concept it's a person. That's exactly Jesus right. Jesus says, I'm the truth. The That's Spirit exactly of God right. is the Spirit of truth. Yeah. The Word of God is the Word of truth. Mm-hmm. The house of God is the pillar and the ground, foundation of truth. Amen. We're to walk in truth. We're to speak the truth in love. Yes. Right? And the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's right. And so sometimes we hurt each other to help each other, but right. we have to say those things and right. we have to be the kind of people who are willing to talk about hard issues and deal right. with the hard issues if we're ever gonna see the kind of change I think we, we say we all want. Right, right. And
0: so it's, it's what we and, have to and, do. Do not speak. wait till we think we can say it right the first time. No. We just gotta enter in, enter into the friendship, enter into the conversation. And be brave enough to
1: speak and to hear. Right. Right. And I'm to be swift to hear, right. slow to speak, right. and slow to wrath. Right. Now, that whole thing is turned upside down today. <laughs> Isn't it? We're swift oh, to speak, yeah. swift to wrath, very slow to hear. Right. And so, as, as people who believe the Bible, especially, right. we have no other choice right. Right. but to do it the biblical way. Exactly. We have no other choice. Yeah.
0: You know, you said uh, you talked about grief being a love language. And you know, when you love much, you grieve much. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. And I just, I just think this is a time, you know, when we should be grieving with those who are grieving and loving those who need to be, that, that's what we need to be famous for. No doubt about that's it. That's what we need no to be famous for. It.
1: And I want to thank you for the friendship that we've had. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, I don't feel like it's been patronizing. No,
0: I hope and not. And I hope
1: you know that it hasn't yeah. been patronizing and it's in spite of the fact that you're white and I'm black.
0: And you've been way As... too mean for it to be patronizing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You make fun of me. <laughs> no, <it's good. laughs> Well, you know, you're right. It is, uh, it, it is amazing to me how blessed this friendship has been, yeah. and it crosses all kind of barriers. Oh, yeah. But it has been a blessing to me, yeah. and I have been able to listen and learn and love in this relationship. And, and I'm telling you, I felt that same regard from you, and I'm just thankful for you.
1: Well, every relationship that is. A relationship is right. vital for that to happen, right. and the outcomes will be exactly what we're seeing. If we learn to listen right. and speak the truth, let's don't duck and dodge. Let's right. speak the truth. I think friendships grow stronger. I think the church would be better for it if we did that.
0: Right. And I believe because the church is better, the world would be better Amen. if we did that. Amen. So. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, you're in for a treat. I'm telling yeah. you, this is going to be a blessing today. Uh, My friend, Pastor Kenny Grant, is going to bring us an amazing message. This will be perfect for Father's Day. I want to pray for him before we get started. So let me just pray for you and then we're going to get off and at it. All right. Yeah. Father, I just thank you for my friend. I just thank you, Lord, for the power of his ministry. I thank you, Lord, for the depth of his gifts. I thank you, Lord, for the joy in his heart and just the unstoppable resolve to serve you, Lord. I'm thankful for the fruit that you're bearing through his life and the fruit that will be born today through our ministry together. I pray, God, that there will be men who will be saved today. I pray, God, that there are men who will rededicate their lives to serving as a godly leader in their home today. And I pray, God, that you would use him to make the church stronger so that your glory will be greater in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless amen. you, brother. Go Thank get Thank you, him, man. God bless get you, I appreciate you. All
1: right. <laughs> well, when I was growing up, uh, there were many plaques and, around our home that spoke of my mom and spoke of a mother's love. I remember those things. They were all over, too m- many for me to talk about. And uh, there were not a lot around my home about my dad. I do remember one, though. It was shaped like a tombstone. Here's what it said. It said, Ma loves Pa, and Pa loves women. And Ma caught Pa with two women swimming, so here lies Pa. And uh, <laughs> I just remember that. And uh, you know, not very, very much is talked about as far as men and, and Father's Day. And we can, we can kind of live without that. Now, you better not try that with moms and with Mother's Day. But I want to say to men, as I talk to you today, I, I don't come to lecture you. I am one of you. I, I need this. And I, I often say to men when I talk that uh, I'm going to talk to myself and let you all listen. All right. I have so many things to say to me, so many things that has to be said. And so I want to just talk to you out of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number 20, just one verse, all right? One verse. And it says this that the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. The NIV says it this way the righteous lives blameless lives, their children are blessed after them. The good old King James says, the just man walketh in his integrity. And his children are blessed after him. And I wanna talk on this subject of being a, a just man or just a man. Being a just man, the word just means righteous, the righteous who walks in his integrity. Being a, a just man or, or just a man. Here it is, Father's Day, and uh, there ain't no hood like fatherhood. You know, the great privilege of being a dad. And fatherhood. This is a wonderful thing, and so here I, I see in this passage three major points, you know, that I want to point out, and we'll talk about them in just a minute. I heard about a fella who had an identity crisis. He didn't know quite who he was. He, in fact, he went to his doctor, and he said to his doctor, "He said, Don, he said, I need help." Doctor said, "What's your problem?" He says, "Well, he says I think I'm a dog." The doctor said, "To beg your pardon?" He says, "Yeah, I think I'm a dog." And the doctor says, you think you're a dog? I think I'm a dog. The doctor said, well, how long have you thought that? He says, ever since I was a puppy. (laughs) Well, now, that's a person who has problems, an identity crisis. And I find out that so many times we as men in our lives, we have an identity crisis. think we want to be identified by what we do. We want to be identified by what we have. But listen, friend, it's not what we do and it's not what we have that matters. It's what we are. And so here it talks about being a righteous man. Here, here are three points. Here are three points. Here they are. Number one, I want to talk about the powerful lessons he learns. Now, I, I see this in the text because the Bible calls him a righteous man. That lets me know that he's learned some lessons in life. Because here's what the Bible says, that the righteous shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. That word just, that word righteous is the same word. That the just or the righteous man shall live by faith. In fact, four different times in the scripture, it says that. It says it in Habakkuk, chapter number two and verse number four. It says it in Romans, chapter number one and verse 17. It says it in Galatians, chapter number three and verse number 11. It says it in Hebrews, chapter number 10 and verse 38. Four different times in the word of God, it talks about the righteous man, the righteous person, the just man he must walk and live by faith. You know, that lets me know that this man has learned a lesson. In order to be right with God, he must have faith in God. Now, the Bible makes it clear that without faith, it is impossible, not unlikely, not improbable. It is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let me ask you a question. How is it that Abraham became righteous before God? The Bible says about Abraham that he believed God and it was charged to his account as righteousness. Here's what that means. Abraham had no righteousness of his own. The Bible says all of our righteousnesses are its filthy rags. None of us are righteous. There's none righteous. No, not one. Not even the great father of the faith, Abraham. He had no righteousness of his own. But you know what he did? He believed God and then God wrote it on his account as righteousness. That lets me know that God, though we don't have righteousness, God will take faith. And God will treat it like righteousness. If we would believe God, if we would take God at his word. So I know this man has learned some lessons. That is, that in order to be right with God, he must believe God. But now, righteousness is not simply a vertical issue. Now, in order to be right with God, I must believe God. But in order to be right with people walking around in this world, it's not so much by what I believe, but it's how I behave. But I want to just tell you something, guys. What I believe will determine how I behave. Now, don't, don't argue with me. You see, the, the old English word believe comes from two words, "by live. That is what we believe, we by live. We live by. Now today, Faith is just mental assent to a group of facts. We nod our heads approvingly. But friend, in the Bible, belief means I live by what I believe. And if I don't live by it, I don't believe it. So now watch. Here's a righteous man who believes the right thing. He has come to God by way of his faith in Jesus Christ, the finished meritorious work of Christ upon his cross. He comes as a guilty sinner. In my hands, no price I bring. Simply to thy cross, I claim. I come with nothing to offer to God. I can't cut a deal with God. I don't have the means to negotiate terms of, of surrender. I simply come and I believe in what God has done for me when he gave his son, Jesus Christ, upon the cross. And when I believe that, God writes it down on my account as righteous. And i watch as righteousness. And once I believe that, then that will determine how I behave. And so it's not just a vertical thing. It's a horizontal thing. It's a shoe leather thing. It's a walking around thing. And so when I believe God, I behave the right way. When you believe the right way, you behave the right way. Now, the Bible says he's a righteous man, so he's right before God, and that means he lives as he ought to live before others. We live in a world. How how do people see you as as a man? How do people see you as a Christian gentleman? How do people see you? What do people think about your life? Are you living in righteousness? Now, of course, righteousness vertically is how we believe. But are you behaving as you should? Are you a just man or or just a man? A just man or just a man? Now, notice the Bible talks about the powerful lessons he's learned. But not only that, I think this verse speaks about the powerful life he lives. Because the Bible says that the righteous who walks in integrity, now the word walk is a metaphor for life. I love it as a metaphor. When the Bible says walk in love, it's just saying live in love. When the Bible says walk in faith, it just seems live in faith, right? When the Bible says walk in wisdom, we to, it means live with the wisdom of God upon our lives. So when the Bible says here that the, 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 the just man, the righteous man, he walks in integrity. That's a, that's a metaphor for life. It's a pedestrian word. It means that he puts one foot in front of the other, right? And so it's a day by day, deed by deed, decision by decision kind of a life. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, January, February, March, April, 2020, 2021, 2022. And as long as I live in this world, it's a pedestrian life. And so notice he lives this life and the Bible says he walks in his integrity. Speaks of the balance of his life. You can't walk without balance. Walking speaks of progress. Uh, walking speaks of effort. Nobody walks without trying. But notice he walks. He lives in it, integrity. Now, can I tell you that integrity is the battle of my life? I, I, be, I believe it's the battle of every man's life. I, integrity. Now, the first battle I fight every morning is what I call the battle of the mattress. I mean, I mean, just get, just getting up to face the day, the old battle of the mattress, right? But after that, I'm telling you, the battle for integrity in my life, it's a battle all day every day. You know, you know what integrity means? It means the oneness of life. An integer is one. Integrity is the oneness of life. It, it means that there is no duality. No duplicity. No dichotomy. It's a oneness of life. It, it says that, that, that I am in my person what I seem to be in my persona. It means that I am who I am not only at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning but 11 o'clock on Saturday night. It means I'm the same dude when I'm with my black friends and when I'm with my white friends. I'm the same dude that when I'm at church or when I'm at the golf uh, course. It's a oneness of life. No duality. Integrity. And can I say this? (laughs) That integrity, and I'm talking to myself, I hope you're listening. But integrity, integrity is the line of scrimmage issue in my life. Now, the line of scrimmage is where the blocking and the tackling, and the real game goes on. Now, we talk about the razzle-dazzle plays, and we like the wide outs and the DBs and all this, but I'm telling you, the real game is one right there at the line of scrimmage, where I know, and God knows, and God knows that I know, and I know that God knows that I know, and God knows that I know he knows, I know he knows, I mean, I, I, there's no escape. It's where life happens. And it's day by day. It's deed by deed. It's decision by decision. It's step by step. It's the life of integrity. So that's no duality. Now here's what that means. I have trusted Christ. Right? I want to live right. I'm a just man. Well, listen, my faith won't be disconnected from my family. See, my faith won't be disconnected from my family. I'm not going to be a church big shot and then go home and be mean to my wife and to my children. My faith means that I will be what I should be with my family. My faith is not separated from my firm where I work. You go to work and you work for a firm. You may be an owner. You may be an employer. You may be an employee. You may be just a co-worker. But wherever it is that you, you work, your faith is not separated from that. You don't lay down your life and this is sacred and this is secular. No, no, no. There's a oneness, a wonderful, beautiful, powerful oneness of life. So, separation between my faith and my family and my faith and my farm or my fellowship or my friendships or my finances or my fitness any and all of those things they come down to a oneness of life a oneness of life where my relationship as a man of integrity is the same here as it is there It's the same there as it is here. It's the same when I'm on the stage and the white lights are shining on me as as it ought to be when I walk off. And I'm not just, watch this, I'm not just pretending. Man, I'm intending. You know how you can pretend to be what you never intend to be? I've done that. You've done it, let's be honest. But integrity says, no, no, no. I'm not just gonna pretend. I'm going to intend. And here's the interesting thing I found about it. If, you, if we really would give the time and attention to intending, we could be what we're pretending to be. And it's easier. <laughs> it's easier. So now notice, the Bible says he's a, he's a just man. He's a righteous man. So that lets me know he's learned some powerful lessons. But the Bible says he walks in his integrity so that lets me know that he, he lives a powerful life. But then notice here, the last point here, he says he, he walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Now that speaks of the powerful legacy he leaves. Um, I've said already, it's not what we have. It's not what we do, it's what we are. And it's what we are that will determine really what we leave. Now, I wanna tell you this, there's not one man who's listening to me today who's too young to begin to think about legacy. Not not one of us. Because friend, this is not all there is and we won't be here forever and there's gonna be something left. I, I think about this, this is a sobering thought, right, Cam? I mean, this is a sobering thought, that, that I'm not here forever, this, this is not all there is. And, and should the Lord tarry in coming to take all of us away, I'm gonna leave this place one day, and the question is, what would be left? Sure. Now, the Bible says about this man <laughs> that, that his children are blessed after them. Can I just tell you one of the ways that I think that our children can really be blessed is for us to simply love their mama. You know, so I want to say this to you guys and and I know problems come in life and I know families, the bull's eye of hell is on families today. The devil is trying to tear up the family because God so loved the family. Now let me just say this. The devil is trying to tear up your family because because God so loves your family. But the idea of I'm going to be a great dad and ah, kind of so-so as a husband, you can't cut it that thin. No. You can't cut it that thin. All kinds of studies have been shown to, to show that when, when, a, when a man and a woman are loving one another, their children grow up to be happy and secure. You know. And so the best thing that a man can do for his children is to love their mom. And then, then to love them, make it, make it verbal, say it. I mean, what would keep a man from saying that? What would keep you, sir, from saying to your son, to your daughter, I love you. I don't care how old they are. What would keep us from doing that? Maybe you're struggling with that. Maybe you, you struggle. But listen, I'm gonna tell you, when you're gone and you will be gone one day, It'd be a wonderful thing to have those words ricocheting around in the heads of your children, in the hearts of your children. Right. My daddy loved me. He told me often. Come on. Come on. Say it. Make it verbal. Make it visual. Let them know that you love them. It doesn't matter how young. doesn't matter how old. Be a dad that loves. Lead in love. See? And then make it visceral. They, they ought to sense it. Right? They ought to sense it. Not that my daddy is a perfect dad, but here's what I can say about my dad, that uh, he loved God and that he loved mama and that he loved us. See, what what a legacy of a love that's left to children. And I'm gonna tell you something, before God, Guys, I, I, I'm, I'm one of you. Before God, really, all it takes to be an abysmal failure is um, to succeed in all the wrong things. That's right. Come on. To be a grand success in a thousand other things and never give attention to being the kind of man that God has called us to be. Now, I'm not that man perfectly. I'm not that man. In fact, I say to our church all the time, the only thing I do perfectly is sin. That's the only thing I do perfectly. But here's a challenge to me, and it's a challenge to every man. Learn the lessons we need to learn. Live the life we need to live. Leave the legacy we need to live. You might remember this, uh, Child was born just the other day, came in the world in the usual way. There are planes to catch and bills to pay and he learned to walk while I was away. Before I knew it, he was talking and as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. Going to be just like you. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, Dad? Well, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. Son going to have a good time then. Well, my son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Said, I like the son, but not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. Then he turned and his smile never dimmed. He said, I'm going to be like him. Going to be just like him. The cat's in the cradle. The silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. Well, when you're coming home, Dad? But I don't know when. But we'll get together then, son. Gonna have a good time then." Well, he came from college just the other day, so much like a man that just had to say, "'Son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while?' He shook his head and said with a smile, "'What I really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. I'll see you later. Can I have them, please?' And the cat's in the cradle, and the silver spoon, and the little boy blue and the man in the moon. Well, when you're coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. Gonna have a good time then. Well, I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you, if you don't mind. He said, I'd like to, Dad, if I could find the time, but see, my new job's are hassle and the kids have to flu, but it's been sure nice talking to you. Been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My son was just like me. The cats in the cradle and the silver spoon and little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, son. But I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. We're going to have a good time then. Let me ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Do you know why, do you know why, why little zebras have stripes? Here's why. Because big zebras have stripes. Okay, here's a second one. Do you know why little leopards have spots? Okay. Because big lepers have spots. And the truth, here's the truth, and this is a sobering truth. Guys, this is a sobering truth. And and it's this, that we really don't beget what we want. We beget what we are. And again, it's not what you have. It's not what you do. When you die, you're not going to take what you have and you're not going to take what you do. You're only going to take what you are. And I say it's time for all of us to give some attention to that. Are you a just man or, or just a man? Well, friend, I don't want to be rem- uh, remiss. I want to tell you that if you've never come to Christ understanding that you need to be saved, you have nothing to bring but a broken past, you have nothing to bring to God but sin and shame, if you would come in simple faith, simple childlike faith and take God at his word, he has promised for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and you can be saved today. And it is in placing that faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, God will say, I count you as a righteous man. Even as he did with Abraham, he'll do it with you. Would you trust Jesus Christ today? And then I want to say to Christian men today, you've already done that. That business is taken care of. I'm going to challenge you and ask you, are we living as righteous men in this world? Really, with our neighbors in this city where I live, where I work, am I walking in integrity? Is there a oneness of life? And then I'll ask this question. Are we thinking about the legacy that we surely will leave? We all will leave one. What kind will it? You have nothing to say about what your daddy and your granddaddy did and were. You have something to say about your son and your grandson. Let's give attention to that. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the great privilege we have to have the Word of God open. Thank you for the Spirit of God that speaks to our our hearts and our lives. It challenges us. Thank you so much for the truth that makes us free. God, help us to measure ourselves, not by one another, but by the truth of your Word Help us to be open and honest enough to allow you to do what only you can do in our hearts. I want to thank you for every dad who's listening to me today. God, I pray that that person, that man, would understand that vital role that he plays in the life of a son or a daughter, no matter how old. That as men, Father, we stand in that place of leadership, we would take that responsibility and see it as a great and high and lofty privilege To be a dad. And help us to live it out in a way that brings honor and glory to you. We thank you as dads. We thank you for our families. We thank you for our sons and daughters and grandkids. We thank you for this great privilege, Lord. Help us to play the man. Not just be just a man, but to be just men. We pray it and ask it in the strong name of Christ our Savior. Amen and amen. God bless you, friend. God bless you.